0: Praise the Lord! For the meditation of the scriptures, let us turn to Psalm 48. Psalm 48 is a psalm that talks about Zion as the city of our God. And we see that the emphasis of the Lord and Mount Zion is there for many other psalms as well. Psalm 76, Psalm 84, Psalm 87, Psalm 132 etc. talk about Zion as the city of God. Today, we the believers, the church of God, are part of the Zion that is from heaven. We are citizens of heaven. And Galatians chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 12 etc. talk about the beautiful aspect that we are to be joined to the heavenly city of Jerusalem. Now the Lord cares for us and He loves us even more than He cared for His ancient people of Israel. And we thank God while we read the psalm, the various natures of God and the aspects of God that is revealed in this psalm. Psalm 48 verses 1-3 to 3 talks about God and His city and how He reveals His glory in His city. Sam 48 verses 5 to 8 talks about God. 5 to 7 talks about God and His enemies and how He demonstrates His power in His in the defeat of His enemies. And Sam 48 verses 8 to 11 talks about God and His covenant people and how He accepts He delights in the worship of the covenant people that is Israel. And verses 12 to 14 of the Sam talks about God of the generations. He's not just God of Israel, but He's also God. Of the generations, and as we meditate upon the Sam, may these truths sink into our hearts and edify us. The first section talks about God in his city and how his glory is manifested there. Zion was very special for the people of Israel and we see here that verse, the psalm starts with this verse, "Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth." Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king, within her citadels, God himself has made himself known as a fortress. These verses are really important because it tells us about the glory of God and also the glory that he has given to his city. Here the psalmist says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised is he in the city of our God. You see, Zion was taken, captured by David from Jebusites in 2 Samuel chapter 5 And it made uh, Jerusalem the capital of the kingdom and it was a naturally protected city, it was almost impregnable because uh, it was uh, elevated, it was 2500 uh, uh, feet above the sea level and uh, it was uh, naturally protected by seven hills which surrounded it and we see that uh, David had brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and uh, it resided on Mount Zion. Therefore, Zion became the dwelling place of God as far as Israel was concerned and Jerusalem therefore became the city of God. Now, the city in itself was nothing. What gave glory to the city was the fact that the Lord's dwelling place was there. The Lord had chosen Jerusalem, the Lord had chosen Zion and that is what gave the beauty and the glory to the city as well. The reason that we are beautiful in the eyes of the Lord is, is, is only because He chose us. The only glory that we have is the glory that has our God has given us and that humbles us, that also makes us want to worship Him. If you see here, spiritually speaking, this city was very important for entire humanity because it is outside the walls of the city that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world and it is from Jerusalem that the initial gospel of Jesus Christ sounded out. It is in Jerusalem that the church was birthed. And because of all these reasons, Jerusalem and Zion takes on a very special, Place in the history of mankind itself. One day in future, we know that Jerusalem will be the center of Christ's glorious kingdom as well. And we recognize that this is why the Lord has chosen Zion and this is the glory that he has imparted to Jerusalem. Lastly, in the verse 3, he says, within her citadels, God himself has made himself known as a fortress. The beauty of Zion, the glory of Jerusalem was not in its own strength but because God had become their fortress. And I thank God that God is the fortress that we can also rest. He has made himself known as a stronghold in that place. In the next four verses, verses 4 to 7, we see God and his enemies, how he demonstrates his power over his enemies and how he is glorified because of that. You see, Here, if you read from verses 4 to 7, it says here, For behold, the kings assembled. They came on together. As soon as they saw it, they were astounded. They were in panic. They took to flight. Trembling took hold of them their anguish as of a woman in labor. By the east wind you shattered the ships of Tarsus. You see here, many nations at various points of time had set itself in array against Jerusalem, against the nation of Israel. But the God takes pleasure in redeeming and rescuing Israel each time from the clutches and the power of its enemy and every time the enemy is defeated not naturally but supernaturally by the strength and might of God and through that defeat God himself takes a glory that he is the protector of Israel. He is the stronghold for the nation of Israel because they have placed their trust in him. We see here that the kings had assembled. It's not just one nation that came against Jerusalem or uh, Israel. uh, It's a group of nations that came together. They assembled together. They came together. But what happened? As soon as they saw it, suddenly they were in panic. They were astounded. As soon as they saw what? Always the Lord had chosen some kind of a supernatural intervention in order to bring defeat to the enemies of Israel. For example, if you look at The story of uh, Sennacherib, uh, the Assyrian uh, king who had uh, raised himself against uh, King Hezekiah. And uh, they tried to war against the nation of Israel during that time. But the Lord supernaturally came and the angel of the Lord fought for Israel. As he had fought against the Egyptians, he fought against the Assyrians and he sent the angel of God into the Assyrian camp and he killed 1,85,000 people there. And the judgment upon that nation came very suddenly. The destruction was like a storm that shattered a fleet of ships. The lesson for us is, are we on the Lord's side or are we against Him? If we have set ourselves against the Lord, then our defeat is definite, definite and it is assured. Because the Lord defeats His enemies and His power is demonstrated in the defeat of His enemies and He takes glory in that situation. We see here, the trembling took hold of them. Dearly beloved, there are so many nations, so many peoples who have exalted them against themselves against the Lord. But the Lord says, Surely that defeat is assured, it is definite, it is prophesied, and it will come to pass, and the Lord Himself shall be glorified even in the defeat of his enemies. In verse 8, the mood of this changes. What happens is suddenly the talk is no more about God and his enemies, but it is all about God and his covenant people. How he deals with his covenant people and how he accepts worship from them verse 8 onwards we read as we have heard so we have seen in the city of the lord of hosts in the city of our god which god will establish forever we have thought on your steadfast love o god in the midst of your temple as your name god so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth your right hand is filled with righteousness let mount zion be glad let the daughters of judah rejoice because of your judgments dearly beloved in this section of the psalm we see that god is glorified when the covenant people of god worship him it's almost like the psalmist writes about is addressing a group of pilgrims who are going to jerusalem after a great military victory and what he writes here is they have heard about the great victory that uh, God gave to the nation of Israel. They heard about the defeat of the enemies and now they see with their own eyes the great things that the Lord has done for his people and what happens as a result of that victory is the pilgrims immediately go to the temple to worship God and to meditate on his faithfulness and to joyfully praise him. Now every time we receive a tender mercy of our God, every time we receive a grace from our god every time we receive a victory because of our lord worship is the natural and proper human response it's the right thing to do to worship god to offer our sacrifices and to worship to the lord is the fitting response to the mercies that we have received from our god we see here that in verse 8 he says as we have heard so we have seen in the city But from the city, what happens is, as a result of that, they come towards the temple and they worship the Lord in the temple. Meaning, it's not a literal temple that we are called to go to in the New Covenant times. But what the Lord is saying is, when you hear about the mighty works that the Lord has done, get into your secret closet of prayer and thank Him and praise Him for the great mercies that He has demonstrated towards each one of us. Worship is the response that the Lord desires because He deserves it. No one deserves our worship other than the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He alone is the one who gave us the victory. He alone is the one who redeemed us. He alone is the one who died for us so that we may live because of his death. And so we thank him and so we praise him. If you see here in verse 11, it says, Let the daughters of Judah rejoice. It goes from Jerusalem to Judah. And then in verse 10, he says, Your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Just like in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the spread of the gospel is prophesied to be from Jerusalem to Judah to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So shall the name of the Lord be exalted. So shall his praise happen across all these places. And when the Lord Jesus finally returns to defeat his enemies and establish his kingdom, his glory and his dominion will be from sea to sea. And the city of Jerusalem will be named as the Lord our righteousness. This is the prophecy that the Lord says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23 and chapter 33. We rest assured in the covenant faithfulness and promise of God. Verse 9 says, we have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. When we enter into the presence of God, it's a time to meditate upon the steadfast covenant-keeping love of God the unfailing love of God, the love that never stops, the love that keeps giving. And so it is for each one of us as we meditate upon the great past victories that the Lord has given us, the great things that He has done for us, let us offer our sacrifices of our lips and of our hearts before the Lord and let us thank Him and let us worship Him. Next section of the psalm verses 12 to 14 talks about the future, the generations. He is not just God of the current community of Israel. He is not just the God of the current people of God, the church of God. But he is also God of the generations that are yet to come. It says here, walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels. That you may tell the next generation that this is God. Our God forever and ever, he will guide us forever. The picture that is shown here is a tour that is happening around the city of Zion a tour around the city of Jerusalem and it is re- reminding us of the way the gentile nations and the other kings used to survey the outside of certain cities in order to see, they used to count the uh, number of uh, ramparts that they had, number of towers that they had number of citadels that they had, the doors that they had etc. so that they could plan their attack against them and so the Lord says here, go on, look at how fortified the city is, but the reality is it is not because of the, the cement and mortar and stone that the city is standing forever, but the city's protection is the Lord Jehovah and it's the Lord who protects the city and it is the Lord who protects each one of us. If you see the Assyrian officers had counted the towers, they calculated on how to capture the city but they never took the Lord into consideration because they could not see the invisible protection of the hand of God that was guarding the city of Jerusalem. He wouldn't allow the nation to be abandoned into the hands of the enemy. Likewise, we need to recognize that the Lord's protection is there upon us as well and he shall not let the enemy triumph over any of us. Dearly beloved, the last section of the psalm is something very sober, something that we need to take upon ourselves as responsibility and a privilege it says here that you may tell the next generation that this is God our God forever and ever he will guide us forever dearly beloved we stand before a God who is our God but it is our responsibility to tell our future generations as to what the Lord has done for us His covenant goodness and faithfulness that has been demonstrated in our lives has to be rehearsed in the years of our next generation so that they will also understand the greatness of our God. They will also turn to the Lord. They will also make Him as the Lord and Savior. And they will also find that eternal peace and eternal life in Him. How great a privilege it is to tell tell a child about the Lord, to guide that child into the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that He, God, shall be their God forever and ever and He shall guide all of us forever. How great a privilege it is, dearly beloved, that we have our God as our God. I thank God for each and every person who has made the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that we also will remain steadfast and strong like Zion which is the city of God. For we are the temple of the living God, we are the habitation of God and the glory of God dwells upon each one of us. May the Lord bless us through the meditation of these scriptures.